Hey gang, welcome to episode 73 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area and recording the opening on my phone. So if it sounds a little funky, you're right, it's a little funky. This week on the show, Zay Amsbury, our man in New York City, is talking with Elisa and David Spira of Room Escape Artist, one of the great escape room blogs here on planet Earth. I don't know about Mars, but here on planet Earth, it is definitely one of the great room escape blogs. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But first, if you're a longtime listener, you know what's coming next. Maybe you do some theatrical and event design work. There's a pretty good chance you do. I I know the odds here. And if you're looking for a computer-aided design program that's built for the work you do, like lighting, projection, and sound... Maybe something that costs a little less and is a little more tailored to the kind of work you do. Uh, You might want to check out our friends at Drafty, our long-term sponsor of the show. Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported, and it's priced to be affordable because the designer who makes it knows exactly the kind of challenges you face firsthand. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. Speaking of sponsors of the show, I want to give a massive thank you to our latest Patreon backers. That would be Hunter Prime. Hey, you put Hunter really came in. So, like, I don't know Hunter's real name, but Hunter Prime is one of the biggest backers of the show now. So, thumbs up. Uh, Aaron Vanek and Evan Alexander, all for joining the Patreon cause. If you want to join the Patreon cause for No Persinium, that is patreon.com slash no Persinium. Just a few quick news and notes this week, because I'm on the road and things have been crazy. Uh, The first thing I want to point out, if you're listening to this on Friday, November 18th, and you have any plans to be in Los Angeles before the middle of December, you want to go to Delusion's website and see if there are tickets left, because the final extension of Delusion, his Crimson Queen, went on sale today at 9 a.m. Snatch those tickets up. You you won't regret it. I'll just say that. And if you do regret it, ah, you're no fun. Um, Hey, look, everyone's got an opinion about something, but I happen to love Delusion. So there you go. Um, So check that out. Also, big, big news for Delusion. They have partnered with Skybound. That is the company that owns The Walking Dead to produce an original VR film based in Delusion's aesthetic. This is so exciting. This is the crossover between quality, immersive theater and virtual reality that we have been waiting for. And I can think of few people who deserve this opportunity as much or more than John Braver and the team at Delusion. And and I can think of few people who can who are going to be able to execute on this more than that crew. This is really, really exciting stuff for all of us. This is what the convergence in immersive is all about. And um, I can't wait. Just cannot wait. That was announced at the same time as the extension. So, uh, hey, gang. Uh, 2016? 
has some highlights. This is definitely one of them, and uh, I'm excited about that. Also excited, uh, Annie Lesser's Barbershop, part of our ABC project in Los Angeles. That has uh, uh, um, pretty much, I think, all but sold out. I think there's a few 10-minute experience tickets left. Um, didn't write a review of that one because I saw the very first preview. I was a guinea pig for that show. Uh, but we're going to have Annie and some of her collaborators on the show, I believe, before the end of the year. So we'll be talking about that some more later. If you want a review, definitely recommend checking out Bill Radin's review of the show in the LA Weekly. Bill really nails it. Um, sometimes I'm like, why do I bother reviewing things if Bill's going to review them? Uh, and uh, And that's a matter of, you know... That's my weird way of giving a compliment because Bill catches stuff uh, and, and we share some similar uh, sensibilities about the work. So, yeah, you know, there you go. Read Bill's. I don't need to write it. I get to be lazy this week. Uh, you want to check out the Chicago issue of No Persinium. We just got it out this week. Thank you, Dean, for that. Uh, Dean has an excellent essay uh, viewing the Cubs win and the events that transpired afterwards through the lens of immersive really fantastic essay we're going to get that up on the medium soon uh, medium.com slash no dash proscenium uh, because i think it's totally worth everyone reading whether you're a baseball fan or not and we've got the west coast issue should be arriving uh, uh i want to say by by the end of the month had a little bit of slippage there things have been nuts and but there's definitely a few things worth announcing and driving everybody towards and if i can i'll actually try and get it out this weekend uh i've just been traveling for work and sometimes that slows the process down um hey there are other things going on in the world uh there's other immersive stuff going on in the world but i've been at the day job all week and really really immersed in that so um, we're going to come back next week with a brand new episode. Zay's working on some interviews. I've got some stuff that's lining up. It feels like we're really going to have a strong end of the year here. Excited for that. And we'll go a little bit more in depth in terms of the news next week for your Thanksgiving episode, which will give you a chance to get away from your family for a minute, take that jog and lose yourself in what is certainly your favorite world. Because honestly, I don't know why you put up with me otherwise. Um, okay, on that note, we are incredibly excited to have the Room Escape Artist crew as our guests. Uh, Zay's talking to them about both their origin story and about uh, Paradiso, the escape room, the immersive theatrical escape room, which they all attended in New York City. This was recorded not too long after they dived into that show. This is a meaty piece about uh, the art of the escape room, and I can't be more happy that we get to have it here on the show. And now you get to listen to it. Hello, this is Zay Amsbury with No Proscenium, and I am currently in New York City. Um, there's some drilling outside because it's New York City, <laughs> and I am here with the folks behind Room Escape Artist, which is a blog that does uh, reviews of escape rooms all over uh, New York City and all over the country, all over, 
all over wherever we end up. Occasionally the world. We've played, we've played in eight countries on four continents, I think. That's fantastic. Well, this is Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. And this is David. Hello. And uh, why don't you start just telling me a little bit about um, how you came to start a blog about escape rooms. Uh, so the short, the shortest version I can give you is I'm a uh, I'm an experienced designer by trade. I I design complex software, uh, and about two years ago I was designing humanitarian software, and it was really heavy, heady work, and uh, got really into room escapes, and thought uh, it's going to be something. I'm really getting into it. Um, we played a whole bunch and loved them, and then we played one that was a mess. I mean, just. It was, it was a game that we, we knew about 800 people, I think, were playing it in a single weekend. It was kind of an event-based thing, and we left thinking, this is terrible. There are all these people who are going to think that this is what room escapes are like. So I wrote a review of it, put it up on my personal blog, which is called The Geek Whisperer. It's been up for close to 10 years. That is a really, truly great name. Thank you. Um, I don't write on it very much these days because Room Escape Artist has completely consumed all of our free time. Um, but we put the post up and then we kept playing and we kept bringing new people because every time we would play one, we would want to bring as many new people as we could to introduce them to the concept because we just wanted these things to, to grow. We wanted the companies making them to make money. We wanted play, more players to know about them. And you put up that first review so that if someone Googled that event oh, yeah. just to find out what it was, they would know that it wasn't indicative of room escapes, that there was this whole industry out there that was really awesome, and they shouldn't go to that one. That, that, that experience is something that Noah and I, and I know well, having people reach out to us for, hey, we have this immersive thing, and so we go, and sometimes that it would serve our readers, and sometimes it would not serve our readers, and you end up being a sort of gatekeeper of sorts. Yes. yes. So we kept playing, we kept introducing people to these things, and um, we... We got tired of giving the same primer to everyone, so we started writing some tips for players and put that all up in a post again on the Geek Whisperer. And then we went out to San Francisco, and a friend had planned with us, and she stood us up. So we were sitting out on our friend's couch. We had just different taken, friend, different friend. We were taking we were, we had just taken him and his wife to play a room, and they fell in love. And they were like, "Where else are these in San Francisco?" So we found all of the places, we, we sat there on Google, a bunch of us, and just found all of the locations in San Francisco. We said, well, where else are they in New York? We found all of those, and we said, well, where else are they in the US? So at the end of you know, a couple hours, we had this list of about 24 to 30 locations, and we said, well, we should just put this on a map and put it out there for everybody. And so we had this map, and we said, well, we need a place for this, and we've been writing, let's start a website. Um, so that's the, you know, kind of the initial origin. I thought David was crazy. He <laughs> wanted to make a blog about escape rooms. I said, how are you going to have enough stuff to write about? Um, and, but he did, and so did I. Yeah. We, we thought we were going to be writing about this a couple times a month for mm -hmm. a few years before it would become mainstream. Um, but within six months of launching the site, we were getting media inquiries. We were on CBS News. We, you know the traffic was, was going up exponentially mm. and people were, you know, people were writing in with questions and, you know, it, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Now, Lisa, can you talk a little bit about your background only because what you do is very cool. There was just an article written about you, correct? Yes. Um, yeah, I was interviewed 
for the New York Times vocations column because I have an interesting vocation. Yes, you do. I am an onomastician. I am an expert in names. Um, and in my current vocation, I build software that predicts ethnicity based on a name and address. That is... I, I feel like there's probably like a procedural show on some cable network <laughs> that is coming based upon your profession. <laughs> so what... Tell me, what is it that the two of you love so much about escape rooms or room escapes? Either, either term. I wrote a blog post about that. <laughs> um, she writes about all, all the posts about names. <laughs> of course. Um, there's a lot that we really love. We love solving puzzles. We're both puzzly people. Um, we love that this is in real life. It's not behind a computer screen. We both um, work you know, in our full-time jobs behind a computer screen. We both spend a lot of time behind a computer screen. It's great, great to be with our friends in a space. And then we love these spaces because as the industry um, progresses, the spaces become even cooler places to inhabit. So you're in sort of an alternate reality. You're in a state where you're experiencing something that is fun and exciting and creative and mentally engaging. You're with friends or, or random strangers, but that you can share this experience with afterwards. Um, and it just is a lot of fun. Uh, I'll add to that. I, I personally spent about the last 10 years kind of in this space between technology and art. And this is a really incredible merger of the two. Uh, the other thing that I have come to love more as we've played more. When we play, we try to bring people who are new or have played like three or fewer games um, so that we always have fresh eyes. And one of the things that has been just a ton of fun for me is watching new people experience these games and watching people realize that what they think their skill set was may not actually be what they're actually good at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which, which happens so often it happened it happened i think to both of us you know in our in our early gaming and it's it's been something that we just keep seeing over and over again is, can you give me an example um there are tons of times where people come in and they're like oh I've, i'm great with words and you know it turns out that they're just they're, they're not or more often it's like i'm afraid of math i'm not yeah. going to go near math yeah. if there's a math puzzle like yeah. that's not right. for me and then you know they solve something and put it all together and you're like you, you just did a lot of math, you yeah. know? I have to say, when, when we when we, um, uh, when we did that one in Jersey, I I mean, analytic, pro analytic problem solving is not my forte. It's something that I can do given a lot of time and patience and coffee and solitude. Um, but like in a pressure situation with people who I, I don't know very well, um, it, 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 I, I was worried about my ability to sort of take it step by step. Um, but the two things that I that I really really enjoyed about it were a the communication and how much like contact and conversation between people that it took, um, and then the one problem that I feel like I put together myself um, that I was very pleased with was the relationship between um, I think it was like a map and then these words over here and it was like realizing that these two map locations were connected and that there's a difference between miles and kilometers. I just felt it felt very good. I'm like, oh I did it myself. Yeah. Right. And it's, you're like you're like, I thought of it. I realized it. It all makes sense. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing that's been incredible is that we see people come in and the people who are always boastful about I'm great with this, I'm great with that, 
that ends up not being what they're good at. But then they end up, you know, they end up in this situation where you kind of get humbled by the room. And this happens to everybody. You go in, you think you're going to be great at this. And then it's, wow, I am not great at this. But then the pieces start to come together. The more you work together as a team, the more, you know, everyone's true and what did, skills what, come out. And what, what did you two each learn were your actual room, escape room skills, room escape skills? Well, you won't be surprised that I am good at words. Yeah, she actually <laughs> is. Um, I also do logic puzzles pretty well, which I didn't realize was a strength of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe should have realized it since I do all of our scheduling, which is one huge logic puzzle. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought I thought going in, my spatial reasoning was really strong, and it's it's I would say it's pretty average. Um, what has been the big surprise to me is learning that um, I'm actually really good with dexterity-based ta- uh, like puzzles and oh, th- things that things that involve very fine manipulation of of, of objects, um, which I never would have guessed. <laughs> Now, give me. I want to. I want to hear a an example for you of uh, of a room that was really, really wonderfully put together, and one that was just awfully put together. And you can put a name to it or not, but but tell me about tell me about like one that was. Tell me, give me a positive example first. Um, I think you have a lot of listeners in in New York I'm assuming mm-hmm. so let's go with uh, let's go with Mission Escape Games Nemesis which is um, we don't we don't have a favorite game and we don't have one that we recommend to absolutely everybody mm-hmm. but that's the one that gets recommended most often and in, in, in New York in New definitely York. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean do you, do you wanna do you want to take the description there or? yeah so you're on a space space station space station you're on a space station um, and there's some craziness going on, and I tend to forget the exact stories of these things. But I think it was fa- it's falling it's to the falling, earth or something like that. You've got to stop it. Yeah. And drama in space, um, <laughs> and it feels like a space station. They've crafted a beautiful room um, that it, you know it. It doesn't feel like it belongs in New York. You've stepped onto a space station, and there are all these different like puzzly things to interact with there are different ways to input answers to things Mm. it's very tech driven there were some incredibly cool moments when we realized when one thing was connected to another thing and we're like we're really gonna do that okay let's do it um there was a a, um something opened up late in the game that revealed this whole other thing that was really cool i'm trying to do this without spoilers yeah 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 um and everyone was shocked, and it was a really fun thing to play with. Um, we happened to be down to the wire in that game, um, and so it was a very dramatic ending for us as well. Being like, we only have a few minutes left, and we have to, we have to wait, and the thing is moving slowly. And I, oh my god, it was it was great. Um, uh- my favorite thing about that game is that um, they take a very common escape room trope, which is the black light. Um, black lights are in most, I would say, most escape rooms, and they're 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 kind of a cliche. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not fun, but they're definitely a cliche. They use black lights. The entire game is lit entirely with black lights. Hmm. It doesn't. They don't fluoresce anything to reveal a clue, um, but they're just they're they're using ambiance. Yeah, they're just using it explicitly for the ambiance, and I I love that detail. Like I love that that knowing design. And that's, now for for so for you for someone who has a lot of you two have a lot of experience with uh, rooms, <laughs> um, was that almost like a um, a uh, 
a, a red herring for you? Or the black light that was like, did you assume that the black light would do something at some point? No, I mean, to be honest with you, it was, I didn't realize it was there until very late in the game. Um, the, the, it had pretty high ceilings, and so it was just, it was, the lighting was different. Um, was all that I had initially noticed. It was only later in the game that I realized, wow, we're fully illuminated with, with, with these UV lights. And I think one thing that, is, that that is an example of that we really love to see is when someone takes the standard and just like turns it sideways a little bit. Yeah. You're still using something that has become standard in this industry, but you're doing it differently. And all of our favorite games have figured out how to do something just differently, surprisingly enough, interesting in a new way, which just keeps this really fun. Cool. All right, so now give me a, a negative example. Give me a room that for you was unsatisfactory. Um, you need to give it a name if you want to, yeah. it's up to you. We'll go with, there was a game that we took, um, we took my parents to it. I think it was the first one we took my parents to. Um, and it was, oh, yeah. it was in a yeah. mall. Um, and it was in the, it's this company that has about a dozen different games and they're basically set up in oversized cubicles. The floor, like the walls don't even go to the, to the ceiling and they had two game masters overseeing something like a dozen games. Um, there were no cameras in there. There was no one watching us. Mm. Uh, the puzzle, which sounds creepy, but mm. if you don't play escape rooms all the time, that's a normal thing oh, okay. to have yeah. your game master watching the player. There is camera in the room. The game master is watching the players right, right. over the camera, mm. making sure they're okay. They're not breaking anything. He can give hints or whatever. Right. To sort of keep sort of yeah. keep the game flow going and make sure that that you all are where you need to be. You're getting to you to where you need to be. Or, or not wrecking the place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So the room was just, it was just this like oversized cubicle with a bunch of stuff that looked like it was bought at a yard sale that was all like kind of related onto the theme that was tacked onto the room mm -hmm. and like a small bookcase with a whole bunch of books on the same theme and some locks haphazardly thrown onto all of it. None of it made any sense at all. Uh, we, when you needed, when, uh, there, were, there were points where you just had to count things and at one point you had to count over a hundred items um, and there's a mirror in the room. So we couldn't tell if the mirror meant, well, do we have to double the number? Do we have to, you know, mm. is there a place you're supposed to stand and are we supposed to count these items in their reflection as well? We had no idea. And when you needed to get a hint, uh, you needed to walk out of the game. They had not locked the door. Yeah. Get a <laughs> get get one of the game masters who's overseeing you know a dozen oh, games. Oh man! Bring them back in, and now you have to brief them on everything you've done so far. And as where, your time ticks down, yes. and you've broken the fourth wall. And yes, it, there was no like it, 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 to break the fourth wall. There has to be a fourth wall. Right, right. <laughs> um, and this was like props on a theme, not like story or immersion or anything. It was, right, it, right. It, it, was, it was one of the junkiest experiences that I've ever had in life. Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't just like a bad escape room, it was just, this, this, is, this is just, it was so pathetically built. Which yeah. meant that for months, until we could get David's parents to another one, they were like, <laughs> what do they spend all their time doing? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because, I mean, having only done two rooms myself, um, the thing that, that quickly happens uh, for me is that is that everything in there seems to have now has an intention. It's like everything I'm looking at 
is there for a reason and should be connected to something else that's there for a reason. So if anything's haphazard, then all of a sudden I, I lose trust that my investigations or observations or conversations have any meaning at all, which seems like one of the difficulties of putting one of these things together. Yeah, red herrings are a... Um, Point a of contention, yeah. I would say, actually, in the industry. People, hmm. you know, there are some designers who, and some players, who hate them, who hmm. feel that it disrupts the experience, um, it's not fair, it's, you know, for whatever reason, this is not a good thing for the hmm. puzzle flow or the design of the game. And there are others who feel like if you don't have some of them, then you're losing something else. Like not everything in every space can have meaning. Right. Um, and that's definitely a design decision. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way, but there are definitely opinions both of which are valid as to which can be better. Do you have a preference, or how do you feel about red herrings? I, I don't mind them. Um, my the, the guideline that I espouse is that red herrings should not be among the coolest objects in the room. Like, if your eye is drawn to it, uh -huh. and you think, wow, that typewriter looks awesome, I want to go and play with that, I can't wait to see what puzzle they're going to do with that, right. and then it has nothing to do with it, Right. The designers set themselselves up for, like, has set the players up for a letdown. It also seems like, like there's a difference between, because it seems like some, some rooms have themes, like you're in a spaceship or you're in a, 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 a cult, a culty controlled office or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so there's a production design behind everything. So everything has to fit with the, with the theme. Um, whereas some of them seem to have no theme at all. It's just you're in a room, there are puzzles you have to get out. Right. So, like, in a room that is following a theme, you could have a, a, a red herring that's part of the set or part of the overall world, but not necessarily part of the individual story that you're on or something like that. Right. And I think that that, in that case, it can really work. Although we played, we played one room a, a long time ago, actually, where um, there was a radio in the room, um, and the radio worked with the theme. For what, it was a loosely themed group, but it was sort of a travel-y theme. I, it kind of fit with the set, um, but it was red hair, and it didn't have anything to do with it. And one mm -hmm. of our friends spent like so much of his game trying to get this cool piece of tech to do something for him. Mm -hmm. And most of the people we were playing with had a great time mm -hmm. in the game, and he was very disappointed in the whole experience. because. It, you know, he wasted all of his effort with this thing that was really just there for ambiance. So, I think to David's earlier point, just being careful with what what is relevant and what isn't. It's sort of like it's sort of like a like a murder mystery where like you want everyone to be a suspect, but everyone can't be. But but there still has to be like vectors towards certain people, mm -hmm. unless it's murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is good, good, good. So let's let's get to let's get to Paradiso because that um, is sort of nominally what we're talking about. And I mean, one of the reasons why I why I personally did uh, Paradiso is because of its its narrative element. Um, and I think maybe for a bit, let's do let's try and sort of talk around spoilers. But at a certain point, let's just blow by, blow by that, give a spoiler warning, and just talk about everything because I think that would be the most useful for people who have done it and people who will never come here and etc. And also just a more interesting way to talk about it all do it slash film style. Um, good. And uh, so for me, um, 
it was my second room escape and we and I got there and weirdly enough Jeff Worth um, who is an interactive theater director who knows a lot of the immersive theater folks in and around New York City happened to be there and we sort of ran into each other and we're chatting uh, he was there with uh, um, uh, a director friend of his who he's working with um, and then a few other people who, who were all and I think that I think that I was the only person there who had ever done a room escape before, which was not, did, did not bode well for us. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I tried to replicate your speech, uh-huh. everything that I remembered from it. Um, but the main thing I remembered from it was just talk, like talk to each other, like interact in anything you see that might connect with something else. Just don't be afraid to speak up as quickly as possible. Um, that's the high point. <laughs> that that never use your pockets. Oh, that's a oh, that's good. Never good. use your pockets. I good. forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, your pockets don't exist for the hour because if you find something cool yeah. and you say, "I need this. I'm going to keep it." You put it in your pocket. You will move on to something else that's cool and important and forget that it's there. And it's a terrible way to lose. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about about distinction, just because you have so much experience in this. So, are, are there very many room escapes that have? So one of one of the aspects of Paradiso is that it, there there are I think this is in the literature the advertising there are multiple rooms mm-hmm. so you start out in one space and you end up in another space and there are transition spots in between um, and each new spot presents a new set of problems that you have to solve as a group are multiple rooms is that something that happens that is is that a trend that's coming or something that has happened a lot already before or what it has happened a lot already okay. it is a it's a, it is definitely a trend. Um, it's something that we don't talk about much because if you've never done these the first time that a second room opens from the first room, like that's a major exciting moment. Right. Um, but Especially I, when the trap door is involved. Right. Nice. <laughs> um, but I would say more often than not, um, okay, in the country or as a whole, more often than not, these games have multiple spaces. In New York, not necessarily the case because real estate is expensive. At a premium, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paradiso, especially for one game, I mean, the footprint of that game is is incredible, um, for especially for New York City. So, so tell me about your because I um, talk a little bit about about the review you wrote to sort of um, frame your experience of Paradiso as you were working your way through. Okay, so I, I wrote the review of Paradiso, and it was the hardest review that I think either of us have written in t- you know two plus years of reviewing these. Um, when we go and play the games, and you've you've experienced this, we we play, we try to bring at least one person who has fresh eyes, and we'll after the game we go and we do we ask everybody two questions. It's always the same two questions. And then after that's been answered, we can move on to talking about anything else. But we want to know what was your favorite part and what was your least favorite part. Oh wait, I'll do it. Except I think both of them are spoilers that I probably can't talk about. But but I, I will say in general, um, and I want to ask you about this too. So so there are actors in, in Veridiso. Um, this is also in part in the advertising. Um, and you meet you know that that is true very quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the way that the actors worked their way into both the story and the puzzles I thought was very, was very elegant. So like in moments when we got stuck, helping us, the way that the actors helped us get to the next step felt like it was part of the narrative, part of the story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a voice saying, uh, pull down the veil, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, although that also happened. Um, 
<laughs> um, and that I, that I really, really liked. The thing I liked the least was a lot of the puzzles felt to me like they helped with the flow of the story. Like especially, um, we'll talk about that in spoiler, but there was one that really especially was so great because we're all in a really panicked state um, and the problem solving like pushed us through both the state and the space we were in. It was awesome. But then the very last set of puzzles to me were the least integrated into the story. Mm-hmm. It was like, panic, 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 run, 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 here's a math problem. Yeah. And it just, <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was just like the, it, it just like the, um, the, the logistics of the problem at that moment ran so counter to the tone of the environment and the story moment. Um, that was very unsatisfying. Your favorite and least favorite part actually is very similar to what we ended up landing on and how our review yeah. went. So, so the interesting thing about this was, so we, we asked everyone favorite part, least favorite part, and we and it's the only time, like, we, we're not big on, like, hierarchy and I think that's kind of BS, but we always ask people to answer um, in order of experience, least to most, or at least least until like you know, if you've played more than thirty or forty rooms, we don't care what order you play, you, you give it in. But we want the, the new people to say what they thought was great and terrible without anyone else telling them, oh, black lights are a cliche. I, you know, yeah. like, we don't want people feeling like you know like that. So um, we go we go around the, the you know the table. We went out for dinner, and normally this conversation will last fifteen minutes at most. Mm. Um, this conversation lasted two hours, and then we had to wow. put it to a. We, we had to we had to stop it because Lisa and I had to get on a plane the next morning to fly to Chicago for the Chicago Room Escape Conference. Um, and this was the most heated favorite part, least favorite part we have ever had because what one person loved, somebody else hated, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. Right. And we had people coming from. Is there usually more of a consensus after? Almost always. There's almost always a consensus. Yeah. Okay. The o- really the only differentiator usually is that people who are new will be wowed by things that people who've played a lot will say I've seen them a lot of times. Sure, right. sure. Right. But it's not their usually their yeah. least favorite part. What wows someone? It just like doesn't make their radar. Yeah. yeah. Or every you know. Every, people will have a favorite part that was, you know, that, that one puzzle that they soloed themselves through and wasn't anyone else's favorite part, but right, that right. was their moment to be the star and that's that's awesome. That's, you know. And we love to hear that. Yeah. And that helps yeah. us know that, you know, it just yeah. helps us understand the game better. To, oh, wow, you were doing that thing in the corner for 10 minutes and I didn't even see it. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody that we had loved and hated different things and disagreed with each other, which we thought was pretty spectacular because one of the things that I, I'm a big fan of, I know Lisa is as well, um, we like things that are, you know, a, a, a little bit more polarizing. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, if, when you are, you know, there are games, there are a handful of games out there that are universally loved. In, in, insert election joke here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a handful of games out there that are pretty much universally beloved. But then there are games that are doing interesting stuff. Um, or skew heavily towards you know horror, or heavily towards puzzles, or heavily in one way or the other, they're doing something weird. There's a company out in Chicago that um, called Escape Artistry. They have a game that is entirely built from uh, recycled and reclaimed materials. Whoa, nice! And it's it looks really cobbled together. They built the whole story but in a around really this. cool way, and it's it's awesome. I have no doubt. In fact, some of the people we played with really didn't like it. We thought it was an awesome game. Um, we like these things where there is, you know, an artist behind them who is who's trying to convey a message. They're trying to do something more than just, 
stuff puzzles or build a nice set yeah. and let people loose in it. Um, so that was what was really interesting about Paradiso. Is it was immediately clear that they were doing and, something different. And an example is the Paradiso folks give you a lot of backstory. Mm -hmm. If you want it, you can go read it. You can go poke around on their website. Yeah. You can learn all about this whole world that they're creating. So for the people who read everything, who spent a day like getting involved in this world, they actually felt really let down by the story. They felt that, well, what about this thing that I read all about that wasn't even mentioned? What about all the... So, but then the people who actually hadn't taken time to read anything and then went into it were like, wow, I learned so much about the story. Like, I, I, all of these pieces came together. And so there was a debate about the narrative and whether it, was, it, it worked or not. And, and it's, it's worth noting, um, it, Paradiso has changed a handful of times yeah. since it opened. Um, we had a, we'd originally booked to play it, and then we, we had a friend go and play, and he gave a lot of feedback to Paradiso. He's a really experienced puzzler and room escape player. And he, immersive theater and, goer. And immersive theater goer. So he, he gave them a ton of feedback, and they wrote back to him and said, we're going we're gonna to incorporate a lot of this. Um, it's going to be up in like two weeks. So we, we called up Paradiso and said, hey, um, we just heard that you're going to be changing this. We don't want to write a review that's going to be updated before we publish. Yeah. So we moved our date, um, but we know that they've changed it a whole bunch, and we we actually have, we have drinks with them uh, last week, and we know they've changed it a handful of times. Yeah, I think I think because they 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 delayed me going mm -hmm. by like eight days or something because yeah. of the changes they were making. So so they're definitely evolving it, and we know that they're going to continue to do it, and we know that they have a grand vision for where they're taking this. They are you know they, they're an ambitious group. Um, and talented. Yeah. So the experience that we had is, you know, at this point, we put dates on all of our reviews. We do this because these games evolve. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not just parody. So all of them, props break, props get replaced. Designers think, you know what? No one's get, no one's figuring out this puzzle. I'm gonna augment it. Mm -hmm. That stuff happens all the time. So we date every review that we write so that you can have a frame of reference for how fresh it is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so there. There, uh, you know, so that was the that was what we had to work with when we were when we sat down to write this review, uh, and where we landed was basically that their actors were were exceptional, um, and they had this this whole chain of really neat sets. And I, I just want to underscore this because like because I know that in in New York especially, which is a theater town, people can be very, especially like artsy people can be mm -hmm. sort of blasé or not blasé but super judgy about mm -hmm. um, about imagining there being actually solid real acting going on in an um, escape room but there there really was it there was solid real acting and there are only a handful in new york that have actors like i can count them on three fingers but yeah uh, there's not it's, a lot it's three, three um, companies and um at least and they all actually have Really solid actors. Anyway, these these actors went above and beyond. They were great. Yeah, um, and we one of the people we brought with us. He is you know he's involved in immersive theater. He's a professional actor, and he was the first person who walked out of the room. He was he was our first. He was our least experienced player, so the first person who answered, and he was just blown away by the quality of the acting. Yeah. Um, so that was you know they had this this great environment to play in. They had these great actors. And then, as you said, the puzzles were not were were were, were the weaker point. Um, and the game, one of the things we write about fairly often is bottlenecking. 
Um, and that's in, in the context of escape rooms. It's, you know, what happens when, um, you know, early in the game there's lots to do, but later in the game or later in a room, if it's a multiple room game, mm-hmm. you know, everything funnels down to the point where there's one puzzle left. And if you have, you know, say 10 people in the room, mm-hmm. you know, at most three or four could usually be working on a puzzle and that may be too many. Um, so you end up with these bottlenecking problems where there's a lot of people sitting idle while waiting for a few people to get through. Right. Um, so they they had some bottlenecking issues there, you know, and they had these puzzles that felt, um, you know, a little bit dated and a little bit tacked on. And when I say dated, I mean room escapes have been in the U.S. for like three years. Um, and right. So dated is like two yeah, years old. Right. It's not yeah, like yeah. ten years old. We're in a rapid prototyping. We, we're <laughs> very rapid. That's that's the thing is the space is changing very rapidly yeah. as is. As people with different, you know, expertises come in, they they push the bar, you know, in, in different directions. Yeah. Just push it out to grow it in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and so I guess yeah, the the puzzles just didn't do it for us. Yeah. They felt like they were from an earlier era. They felt tacked on. They felt like they didn't fit with the drama of the moment. Yeah. Um, they felt annoying at times. Um, mm-hmm. And just uninspired or unexciting. Not every single one of them, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will but, say another another thing that um, um, that I feel like the piece did did really well, which is often a tactic of, of immersive theater, which is it it cast you in a role. Mm-hmm. So like who who we all were in that environment was very mm-hmm. specific, and what we were doing while there were sort of like surprises and revelations about that. Um, it was very clear. It was very clear who, what our role in the environment was, mm-hmm. um, which often is sort of like step one to getting people really engaged in the situation. Which is one of the reasons why, when the puzzles felt tacked on, it really brought yeah. us out of the moment. And, and that's that was exactly our reaction. Um, was 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 that so much of this game was so incredibly right that the stuff that wasn't um, stood in incredibly stark contrast. Yeah, and one of the things that was just so cool about it, you talked about the multiple spaces, is not only did they create one totally awesome environment, like when we were talking about the spaceship game before, and it was like, we're on a spaceship. They created multiple really cool sets that were nothing like each other, right, but somehow all, genres. all worked together. Yeah. So like, that was incredible. There was a lot there that was really right, along with the stuff that just kind of didn't cut it for us. And the, there was one guy in our group who, or there was a couple, they were, they were on a date, you know? Like they clearly looked at, you know, time out in New York yeah. and find a date. And he was, like at the very beginning when we were being asked questions by the entry person, and the guy was like a little too cool for school. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was, he was giving flippant answers and whatnot. But, but by, like by, by the, at, by a certain point, he was, he was in it and it was great. It was fun to watch him play in a more engaged way. We see that a lot and just, I, I love it when, um, when people are very skeptical for whatever reason, whether because they feel like they're too cool or whatever, they show up skeptical. Or they're and then, scared. Or they're scared, yeah. yeah. And it just grabs them and they're like totally in yeah. the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah, watching the barriers that people put up when they are when they initially step into one of these things for the first time, watching them melt away and they you know and then become, you know, just you know, part of a team and you know, get really into the game is so much fun to see. Well, I also, I, I mean, we were also lucky because we had, I mean, we had, we had Jeff Worth, who's like a very experienced director, who's a very good leader, who's really articulate at talking to people, um, and he was sort of like, 
calling the shots um, at the beginning, and then we all sort of got more. And that's something that happens in big team games. You know, if you go play a room with two to four people, Mm -hmm. you don't need someone to be the director. But when you play with, like, eight to ten people, I guess maybe six sometimes, you need someone, and, you know, Mm. on our teams it's usually one of us, but not necessarily, who kind of plays quarterback. Right, right. Um, I remember in in your review you also mentioned, and and you, you alluded to this earlier, um, that that the number of people, given what the puzzles were, was mm-hmm. off. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so that, that was the bottlenecking portion of it. Ah, gotcha. Is that um, it, because they had these really cool sets and they broke down, and there's one place in particular we'll talk about when we get to the spoiler section. Um, but the way that it was set up, um, some rooms did a better job than others of keeping everybody busy throughout the time. Mm. Uh, and the other, the, one of the other problems, and we didn't really write about it, was that we had no concept of how, where we were in the game. Um, when we won, we didn't realize we were at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost and we were very aware. Yeah. We, 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 were, we were not, we won and it was like, oh wow, we're, we're done. Yeah. Um, we were in the middle of the game and we had no sense, uh, are, we, are we ahead of time, are we behind time? Um, which was a which is a weird thing for us, and not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it became an issue in this game actually because of the theater aspect of it. Right. Because we're interacting with one of the actors in the game, and who is acting and taking her time to deliver something that's a piece of the story, and we're like, we are trying to puzzle on a clock, yes. and you are yes. slow. Yeah. Um, yes. And. And we didn't really know what to do with that because I think whether you were coming at it from this is a theater piece and mm-hmm. I'm going to appreciate her doing her thing and figure out what that means and le- or you're coming at it from I am in a timed puzzle experience. Um, it, we had, yeah, that was, that was challenging. It, yeah, it becomes very weird when, when the player's sense of urgency is not mirrored by the actor's sense of urgency. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I want to I want to jump us into spoilers, um, but before we do that, we have a little bit more time in this space. Um, uh, I want to say people who are in New York who uh, enjoy immersive theater but have not done uh, a room escape, um, and who may have not wanted to go into it because they thought, well, puzzles aren't my thing, and I really don't want to feel like that the pressure of having to get out in an hour. Um, this might be something that could be interesting for you because it really does feel like. Um, at its most elegant, this piece really does feel like you are in a theater piece that involves problem solving. Um, but at the very least, um, just to see how these actors work their way through the environment um, was pretty interesting to me. To that end, um, could you roll down your the advice that you give to folks before they go into their first escape room? Sure, I can do that. All right, so here's, here's the deal. You're going to be in the room for a, however much time that you've been told. This is a team game. You will only you will win and lose as a team. No one can win harder than anybody else. So please cooperate. Your pockets don't exist for the hour that you're in it in, in the game. Don't put anything in your pockets. If you find something important and put it in your pocket, you will almost certainly forget that it's there, and everyone will lose and be angry at you. You'll also likely walk away with the prop and steal something from from the company, which isn't cool either. Um, 
communicate. Yes, communicate. Communicate is the most important (laughs) thing. If you're an introvert, then you need to speak up. If you're an extrovert, then you need to shut up. Um, you You need to make sure that everybody knows everything that's going on. Because if you see something that is, for whatever reason, different than the norm, there's a tiny hole in something, there's a piece of whatever that doesn't that looks interesting or different. Everybody needs to be made aware of it because that thing that you notice might be the thing that he needs or whatever it is. Yeah, and try the obvious solutions before you start getting wacky. If you derive a number, if you derive you know one, two, three, four, try that before you start reversing them or adding two or whatever it is. You know, people do crazy stuff under pressure. Um, but we have on, on, on our website, in the, right near the top, is a, f- a post that's 15 things you should know before playing your first, you know, your first escape room. And this has all of those and a whole bunch of other tips um, about you know, how, to, how to craft your team, how to go and approach them as, you know, as a player, and really just how to maximize your fun, because that's what this is ultimately about. Awesome. Okay, so we're now going to go into spoilers for... Uh, Paradiso, if you haven't seen it and you plan to, please stop listening now and come back afterwards because we're gonna we're probably gonna go right to the last room, I think. So disengage now. Cool. All right. Um, so, so let me talk about this bottlenecking thing for a second. Mm-hmm. In that, because there was so much cool stuff going on in that last room. I mean, just watching like the person and the other person did it before I did. I really wanted to be the person to reach into the guy's stomach. Mm-hmm. So badly. Yeah, I don't think either of us got Neither to do of that. us did that. Uh, yeah. It looked really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the things that was really remarkable to me about this. And all of their actors have a method of escaping. Um, but the actors were put in fairly vulnerable situations. Yeah. Um, the the woman chained up in the little room. Like that was a yeah. shot. Like there was there were gasps for yeah. us when we opened us the too. door. Yeah. I I we were, I was. Like I, I, we walked in and I was like, "Oh wow! I didn't realize this game was going to need a safe word." Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So the woman who was chained up and then the man lying on the floor there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were in very compromised positions. Yeah. Uh, and then, did you have um, you, the, the actor who in the in the final room? There's the actor yelling at you. Did he look like uh, Draco Malfoy? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. what we've been calling. Yeah, him. We, we've we just, just been calling him uh, Malfoy. That's really funny. That's really. Um, and also in our group, there was one because um, our our entry was delayed a little bit because there was some sort of technical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one person in our group who seemed odd to me from the very beginning. I thought he was going to be the person leading us through. Mm-hmm. And then it became pretty clear by about halfway through to to me he seemed like he was one of one of the people running it like an observer, etc. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards our our group or or Jeff and his friends and I had like maybe a half hour conversation right outside the venue about the whole piece and he was sort of like hovering over the side like texting on his phone sort of listening in huh. um, which was fascinating. Interesting. Um, we, we we played with entirely with people we know, so I yeah. I, I can't confirm or or, or, or reject that that. Uh. <laughs> um, so let's see. Now that we're in spoilers, so um, uh, can you talk about like a specific puzzle for you that for you um, either was elegantly worked in or maybe caused a bottleneck or that um, didn't well, work so well? Going back to the end there, yeah. you're you're in a time crunch. You're disarming this thing yeah. and you pull out this like crossword puzzle. Yeah. And there were eight of us, I think, playing. Mm-hmm. But it's a crossword puzzle on a piece of paper that is right. smaller than an eight by 11. So one person is writing 
and that was me because words. Oh, so so when you got to the last room, the only puzzle was a crossword puzzle. Uh, in, yeah, in that. I think so. So so for us, there was there were multiple puzzles. Mm, so there was okay. like a logic puzzle. There was a logic problem some other kind of like math sequence problem and the crossword problem, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay, yeah, we So we all sort like, of like broke up into mm. groups, you know? So yeah, we did We had just the crossword puzzle, so we had, you know... Well, we, I, well you know what, maybe, maybe there was a logic puzzle in with the crossword puzzle. There were some layers there. It was yeah. a layered puzzle, it wasn't okay. just like do a crossword, it was a layered puzzle, but it was all in this one small space. Yeah. So it was like one person writing, and one person reading to the person writing, right. and one person shouting st- stuff out so that the rest of the group could like throw out what they thought was the answer, and then right. the people writing would try. It was, there were also people standing around being like, I can't see. I can't. That, yeah, I was, I was standing um, around the person. Whereas like, like in contrast, in, in that first room, that first room where you have to like um, figure out the soldier's name and there's the thing on the wall and there's a sequence of images and there's the, the, the things in the drawer and then there's the computer which also has the sequence of images so you can like slow it down. Like that sort of felt nice and there was stuff for everybody to do. It was consistent with the theme. It was right. physical. And because you, know. you had those images on physical big things that you could lay out and we laid them right. all out on the floor. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, Everybody can see them, and person A can move this, and person B can come over and say, "No, put that here," and move right. the like. It was much more. It was more collaborative and yeah. more interactive, and and it didn't bottleneck the way the end did in right. that. But even in that room, I I kind of sat that puzzle out. I was just watching because there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were there were two moments that really stood out for me. Um, one at the time, I'm not sure how I felt about it, but in retrospect, I really liked it. Was the second space, which is kind of a transition space, yeah, where you're in this room with all of these doorknobs all over the place, yeah, and all you have to do is find the right knob to yep. turn and open the door. It's, it that was, was that was my moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It's it's a really simple thing, but um, it had me like flashing back to this moment. Um, one of my favorite movies as a kid was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. That, I, yes. Th- there's that room when they're I all crammed in. Yes. And um, that was, like, that to me was like, that's that moment. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really a puzzle. It right. wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a hard task, although I've, I've heard... Don't, the, don't diminish my moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard yeah. if you play that game with yeah. only one or two people, I guess gets, two. Yeah, it gets... You don't feel crammed in. You don't right. get the same moment mm-hmm. we had. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh my God, there's so much space and we yeah. have to find one thing. And they're uh, just the two of yeah. us. So we talked to some friends who played as a couple and mm. nobody else booked into their time slots. So they oh, just wow. went by themselves. And they had a really different experience in that room than we did as a group yeah. of eight. It, it didn't come with any emotional impact under right. those circumstances. Right. Which I, I think is a really, I think that's a really interesting, uh, you know, interaction. Um, but then there, there are one or two, I guess there's another couple. In, in the next space, you're mm-hmm. in that crawl space. Yep. Um, I was at the back of the crawl space. Mm-hmm. All of the people in the front were, you know, got to the front. The, there was a puzzle up there. Right. I heard them shouting out stuff, but I was literally kneeling in a metal tube waiting yeah. for people. Like, I, that, that's like, right. not only is that, I mean, not only was that a bottleneck, like, you, you know, in the in the figurative, you know, room escape design right. sense, it was like a literal uh, bottleneck at that yeah. point. It, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that it'd, it'd be kind of cool if, like, if there were, there were objects or things you needed to solve a problem at the front, and then there was stuff in the back that you needed that you didn't know you needed when you first went by it, so there had to be more, like, 
mm-hmm. that conversation throughout the whole mm-hmm. crawl space would have been a better design yeah. to yeah. keep more people involved. I, I did like the levels that it was playing with, though. Yeah. I did like it, the having to like get down physically. It, the set cool. again. The set was cool. Yeah, like it was again. It was you know. It was a fun space to inhabit. The puzzle within it and the, the what was being asked of the players was not as, you know, it was not what we were hoping it would have been. Um, but then there's this other moment that still stands out to me because we have uh, one of our one of our other um, regular players, um, my buddy Jason, he and I used to be, uh, we used to be business partners. And um, we, he, he got really, he got really angry at me. Um, Which... Happens a lot. Which happens a lot. He's kind of, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's basically, he's, he's like a brother. Um, there's that moment in the last room where you're, where Malfoy is screaming at you to flip the switch. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, and, and arm the bomb. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then the guy who's dying on the floor, whose guts you have to reach into. Yeah. He's telling you not to do it. Right. And I have, you know after a couple hundred of these, my whole approach to room escapes and really work and life is the only direction is forward. Uh, so it's like, I don't see another interaction in this room that will afford me an opportunity to move forward. Mm-hmm. The guy who's laying on the ground dying isn't saying, don't flip the switch, do this instead. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's just saying, don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what am I going to stand here and let the time tick away? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, Malfoy, I'll flip your switch. Um, and... You know, Jason was so you know angry. Jason at me. is the one who reached into the stomach yeah. and got the key. So he was very much aligned with the guy on yeah. the floor at that yeah. point. Yeah, I, I, I guess once you're, once you're inside someone yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, yeah, and I don't know if that, like, I, I don't have. I don't have a, like a positive or a negative feeling about any of that mm-hmm. from a design standpoint. It just stands out to me as, um, it was an un- it was an unusual set of circumstances where yeah. there wasn't a an, a clear right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Although the impression that I have is that the game was not going to progress forward until someone on the bomb. Yeah, yeah. Um, now that we're in the spoiler section, also I had been talking earlier about you know when the actor slowed down and we wanted to go fast. Um, mm-hmm. That was in the room. That was the actress who was chained up. Yeah. Who comes off when you oh, and you unchain her? Mm-hmm. She's performing a whole thing, yeah, very well. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, and we were like, we need to stand on some squares yeah. on like a chessboard and yeah. like mm-hmm. you're doing your thing and like yeah, that was where stuff started to feel sort of arbitrary <laughs> yeah. to me. Like yeah. like the like the things you had to go through in that room, um, like the order of them, mm-hmm. it didn't. I don't know, like it sort of lost its flow there for me. I mean, I mean, I, I like the room was fun and sort of complicated, um, and the helicopter was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I but that I had that same separation. And I think one of the things that was it's easy to lose sight of in the moment of playing is that the whole game is is about Dante's Inferno. Yeah, and the whole, you know the whole the game is you know the company is Virgil Corporation. You're right, and you know the you know. They're they're taking you, you know, and this was chapter one, so I have to imagine that there are going to be future chapters that will take us into different, you know, circles of hell. Right. Um, I'm hoping that they make future games that take us into different circles of hell. Yeah. But um, you know, I think that there's also like there there, and I don't I, I you know read 
read Dante's Inferno in college. It's not, you know, a, it's not fresh in my mind. But I do think that there were probably deliberate, you know, references. Some of those characters were meant to be certain people. Uh, I have to admit, some of that was lost on me. Yeah. Um, and it's probably lost on much of the mm-hmm. audience. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did not reread Dante before. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I didn't either. So I... I think that's one of the other things that's that's interesting about what they're trying to do. But but I feel like but I feel like there are a lot of I mean there are a lot of things that you go to that that borrow and reference and mm-hmm. and play intertextual games where mm-hmm. you don't need to like have the source material in no. your head in order to enjoy no. the thing. Not at all. And I, and I don't. And it's th- good because otherwise your audience shrinks a lot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really truly don't need to have seen Macbeth to experience Sleep No More. It, that that <laughs> it, exactly yeah. exactly. Or, or have read uh, The Confidence Man to enjoy the con- or any yeah. of these things. Yeah, yeah. Any, any of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, we just played two promotional games today. We had not seen the TV shows for yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we still have fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, I... Uh, so we are... Um, so just to wrap up, um, if you want to see, if you want to read any of the, um, the reviews that Lisa and David have written, it is Room Escape Artist. RoomEscapeArtist.com. Um, and if you're in New York, please check out uh, Paradiso if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, yeah, thank you very much. It was really great chatting with you too. Thank Thanks. you. Once again, want to thank Lisa and David Spira for being our guests on the show today. You should check out Room Escape Artist at roomescapeartist.com. You can also find them on Twitter, Room Escape Art is their handle there. Our handle, of course, is no proscenium. Zay's handle is Zay Amsbury. That's Z-A-Y-A-M-S-B-U-R-Y. I'm at Noah J. Nelson on the Tweet Deck Universe. You can find No Proscenium at noproscenium.com. That's where you sign up for the newsletter, get the links to everything else. We've heard the medium before. You can be one of our Patreon backers by going to patreon.com slash noproscenium. And believe you me, you guys are all a godsend keeping us afloat here. And, um, yeah, going to have a strong end of the year. I'm happy with how things are going. You guys should be happy with how this universe of ours is unfolding. And uh, I'm telling you how to feel. How arrogant. Um, I'm just glad to have you guys around. That's all. I get excited. Got to get excited about something. Um, oh, hey, you know, uh, speaking about excited and nerd things, um, I've only messed around with, like, the 360 video version of it, but uh, keep an eye out for that Star Wars Rogue One piece uh, that the ILM X-Lab did. I need to get my hands on a headset version of that because, uh, you know, it's like a movie about being an X-Wing fighter pilot, like, cockpit. And yeah, fun. All right. Enough of my nerditry. Uh, There is so much going on out there. Check the newsletters. Check the feeds. We'll be back in full force next week. And until then, I'll see you at the show.